Hey, welcome to the 1505 Club. When I grew up in the 80s, I got used to hearing Ronald Reagan's State of the Union addresses. Obviously, it wasn't political for me, as I was too young to understand politics. What I liked was the concept of looking at where we are and where we're going. In that vein, I thought I'd start the year with the State of the Union for chiropractic, a sort of state of chiropractic, if you will. So let's take a moment to reflect on where we are and where we're going. For many of us, when we entered this great profession, we did so with the hope of being part of something better. Better than the simple treatment of symptoms. Better than a form of health care with no regard for health. Something better than drugging people, cutting them open, and calling them healthy. But could chiropractic ever become a suitable replacement for the industrial juggernaut that calls itself health care? If it is, there are still millions of people who are waiting for us to prove it. As Ronald Reagan said, put on your working shoes, we're still on the job. The good news is that our current situation is filled with opportunities, but those opportunities come with challenges that must be overcome. It's never been easier to get patients in the door, but education is still a challenge. It's easy to make adjustments, but it's still difficult to get results. Chiropractic has come a great distance, but we still have so far to go. As we look at the world around us, we see the exposure and the collapse of allopathic medicine. In fact, just this week, I heard a medical doctor say that we're witnessing the destruction of allopathic medicine as we know it. It has now been exposed to the world for them to see the criminal organization that has become of it. Even as from the days of Louis Pasteur, this model was chosen for its power to manipulate and create profits, and it's done that very well for many years. But in their arrogance and hubris, they pushed it too far. And now the people are questioning everything, even if the media are not. Using Pfizer's own numbers from their vaccine trials, the COVID vaccine had one death in the trial group, while the placebo group had two deaths. This singular data point is the reason for their claim that the vaccine is 100% effective. Coincidentally, these are the same numbers involved when the medical establishment began recommending aspirin to prevent heart attacks. The trial group had one death, and the placebo group had two. The media was quick to tell people that aspirin produced a 50% reduction in heart attacks. Anybody who knows how to do math recognizes this is a 1% reduction, and it comes at the price of increased risk of stroke and a myriad of potential side effects and drug interactions in the case of polypharmacy. The people are looking for a way to regain their health, but more than that, they're looking for someone they can trust. Certain medical doctors have moved to the front, even as the system that created them is crumbling around them. This has left a vacuum, a void, that can and should be filled by chiropractic. But are we ready? If given the opportunity, can we rise to the occasion, fill the gap, and produce consistent and predictable results? I'd like to think that we could, but I'm afraid I'm too much of a realist to fully believe that. Chiropractic had this opportunity once before, during the flu pandemic of 1918. Even then, medicine could not rise to the challenge, and countless doctors had nothing to offer beyond making their patients comfortable while they watched them die. Chiropractors came out of the shadows and produced such phenomenal results that each state consequently gave them the right to practice under the protection of a chiropractic license in a cascade that began with one state and eventually led to them all. While medical doctors watched one out of every 15 patients die, chiropractors only had one death for every 789 patients. If called upon to perform like this again, could we do it?
At that time, every chiropractor, regardless of their school, understood the concept of subluxation. They knew how to find one, and they knew how to correct it. Even the mixers were known for adding to chiropractic, but never as a substitute for chiropractic, as has become so common today. I heard many years ago that a group from Palmer College recognized that there was only one technique system that was practicing chiropractic consistent with the way in which Didi defined it, and that, of course, was the Gonstead system. It was also no surprise that this is the system best known for getting the best results. This is most likely due to the care and precision that is put into finding and correcting subluxations, to the extent that when it's done well, nothing else is needed. But of course, in today's chiropractic, we find that something else is almost always needed. Perhaps this is a societal or cultural problem, but when we fail to attain results from the adjustment alone, we immediately beginning looking outside for, something, for some other means to supplement the adjustment because it couldn't possibly be the fact that my adjustment just wasn't good enough. More often than I care to admit, throughout my career, I've had to look in the mirror and confess to myself that the adjustment just wasn't good enough, and it was my responsibility to do whatever is required to ensure that in the future, it will be. We owe that to ourselves, to our profession, but most importantly, to our patients. There's no reason to ever be cocky or proud about our adjustment or the power we hold in our hands. There's a certain amount of fear before any adjustment that is extremely healthy. The moment you have no fear is the moment you no longer respect the adjustment or its potential to do harm as well as good. Too many in our profession have no respect or even awareness that their so-called adjustments are potentially doing more harm than good, and they don't care to know. How could we ever prove ourselves once again to a desperate public when this attitude has become so pervasive? It is a revolutionary act to commit in your own mind that you will not practice in a way that benefits your own self-interest, but only in a way that benefits chiropractic. Chiropractic was here before any of us got here, and it will remain long after we are gone. The only question is whether you will leave it better than you found it, or will you merely use it for your own benefit and leave it worse for wear? Another opportunity that I've seen, even several times just this last week, is the opportunity to be more aware of the science and ask better questions than our allopathic counterparts. Just this week, I had a teenage patient who was experiencing digestive trouble. At one point, her mom said, you've asked more and better questions than any of our other doctors, and you've given us better answers than any of those doctors as well. We have this opportunity with every patient we see. I have a research study in front of me that looks at the prevalence and cause of post-COVID tachycardia. They state that 25 to 50% of post-COVID patients complain of episodes of tachycardia following acute infection. They further state that 9% of post-COVID patients complain of tachycardia symptoms at six months post-infection. I began asking my patients about their post-COVID experience. In one day, I found five patients who told me they had post-COVID tachycardia. They all sought the advice of a cardiologist. At no point were they told the tachycardia was related to COVID. Neither were they offered any remedy for the situation. In every case, they were left to self-treat, with most of them choosing magnesium as their treatment of choice. I'd be willing to bet that the vast majority of cardiologists are not familiar with this research study. I say this simply because the vast majority of doctors are not familiar with the research relevant to their specialty, unless it directly makes them more money. This is another opportunity for chiropractors. The GCSS doesn't just conduct research, but we make it available on our website. If you're a GCS member, you can go to the website and access our research archives. We would also encourage anyone to produce a case study, and we'll help you to write it up. At any given moment, 
The future of the profession can be found in the schools. These schools cover a broad range of techniques and approaches based on their collective philosophy and their definition of chiropractic. As you might expect of the profession, there are no wrong answers, just different perspectives. This approach might be politically correct, but it defies both science and logic. In my experience teaching, students generally enter their education with a pretty good idea of what they expect of their institution and what they expect to be transformed into during their education. For that reason, I feel safe in saying that the largest schools are large because they're meeting their students' expectations, and the smallest schools are small because they are not. Granted, I say that as an employee of the largest chiropractic school in the world, but it was that way before I got there. I was merely curious to understand why. The vast majority of my students have told me they would recommend the school to anyone who's interested. It may not be perfect, but it met all of their expectations and supported them in their journey. That's a lot more than I could say of my education. Nonetheless, school is only one small part of our journey. The vast majority of our education will take place after school, in the real world, if you will. This is why it's so important to not limit this education to our own experience. We must commit to being lifelong learners, but the classroom must extend beyond the walls of our adjusting room. Seminar attendance is vital for maintaining relationships and learning, not just to meet our minimum requirements for licensure, but to nurture this learning process. The GCSS offers two seminars each year for this very reason. The Gosted Extravaganza and the Meeting of the Minds help to ensure that both students and experienced doctors have opportunities for learning. This is essential for growth and development. The GCSS also has a diplomate program to certify those whose Gonstead practice is consistent with the teaching and practice of Dr. Gonstead. It should be the goal and expectation of every Gonstead doctor to become a diplomate as soon as they are eligible. This test is not intended or designed to confuse or trick. In fact, it's one of the most fair tests I've ever taken. If you're concerned that your skills may not be good enough, then this is reason to attend seminars until they are. The Gonstead system will only be as strong as its core of fellows and diplomates. In that regard, we need you. We need you to be the best you can be. Your patients need that too. So let's conclude by talking about the thing that always makes Gonstead different. Specificity and precision. There's no such thing as being too specific or too precise. We have a lifetime to work on these two things, and as they improve, so are our results. Specificity and precision have always grown the profession, while general, generalization, guesses, and assumptions, and no regard for outcomes, has generally shrunk the profession. The patients know the difference, even if they're not cognitively aware of it. There will always be those who make light of the profession and treat it like a parlor trick or a strange hobby, but these people are easily marginalized when we elevate the standard and give the public a better expectation. That is our duty, to elevate chiropractic, to become the best we can be with precision and specificity, and to restore normal function to bodies that are under constant assault. It's never been easier to become a chiropractor, but the path to mastery is the same as it ever was. It's not for the lazy, the entitled, or the arrogant. It's painful, humbling, frustrating, and costly. It's also extremely meaningful, and it gives your life purpose to see that lives are changed with the application of your knowledge and your hands. Don't ever take that for granted. We are each a work in progress, and so are our patients. So meet them where they are. Our future has never been brighter, but it will be the brightness of each individual who will determine what our profession will become. Thank you for indulging me with my state of chiropractic address. Next week, we'll start the first of, two episodes, of a two-episode series that I think you'll find quite interesting. 
As we start off this new year, I want to let you know that we have a number of things in the works, both inside and outside of this podcast, that are going to make this year a great one. If you're listening from outside the United States, I want you to know that we haven't forgotten about you. We're working on some things for you too. As always, I hope you have the very best week possible, and I'll see you again next time. Oh, my God.